0: Love Talk Radio. Quiet, please.
1: Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And i will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or or a fan, and so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. My guest today is Mr. Nicholas Tabrock. He is a prolific producer. We're going to talk about producing and and uh, and making movies and getting them off the ground and and the nuts and bolts and the whole thing in just a moment. I'm going to tell you more about him. Let me say that the chat room is open. And you have two ways that you can listen to this show, live or archived. If you're listening live, uh, you can join us in the chat room. And if if you're listening live right now today, please do me one big favor. Apparently, uh, a link was broken in, in uh, Twitter, and uh, a bad link was sent out. I've corrected it. I've repeatedly sent out, here's the working link. If you see it, please uh, share that, spread that, retweet that. And, uh, and get the word out there so people can join us uh, using the link right off of Twitter. Otherwise, everything else is working. If you're listening to this archive, um, not a not an issue for you. Uh, all of these interviews are recorded live and then they're stored. They're archived at Rexikes Movie Beat. The official web address is r e x s i k e s dot com. That's my name. I'm your host. And they're also available as podcasts at the iTunes store, absolutely free. There's over 300 hours of professional filmmakers sharing their expertise with you. That's their know-how. They're in the trenches. They're doing what we want to be doing each and every day, and they're making it happen, and they're giving you the nuts and bolts, the how-tos, the secrets, the tips, the suggestions, the advice about how you can advance your career, make your projects from idea to screen and beyond, and... Uh, And so all we ask you to do in return is to share it, to retweet that, to put it on your Facebook wall, to call up somebody, ask them to join you and listen, whether it's live or archived, uh, to leave comments both during and after the show, and to uh, rate and review the podcast. So that's all we ask of you. Listen and share and listen and make comments. Because when you comment, it increases our visibility on the Internet. It increases the us in the search engines, and people can find us easier. Share this with all of your industry connections and contacts, your filmmaker friends and fans, uh, and that also makes it more likely that some filmmaker out there who hasn't yet found out about the show and these incredible mentors who are giving it all away for free to them, to you, um, that they that they can benefit as you and I are. All right, so thanks very much. I want to tell you about my guests today, and that's Mr. Uh, Nicholas Tavrak. and... Uh, then I'm going to be bringing him on. Nicholas is a prolific film and television producer whose company Darius Films has offices in Los Angeles and Toronto. And since 1998, he's produced over a dozen features that's received both commercial and critical success. Uh, many of them have premiered at the world's top festivals. The Life and Hard Times of Guy Terrifico at the Toronto International Film Fest in 2005. Um, Hank and Mike in uh, 2007. Surviving uh, Crooked Lake. Slam Dance. Uh, Weirdsville at the Toronto International Film Festival and uh, opening at uh, Slam Dance and Rain Dance Festivals. Cooper's Christmas, again, the Toronto International uh, Film Festival. And Defender, again, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. So Nicholas' most, rec- uh, most recently completed film is A Beginner's Guide to Ending, starring Harvey Keitel, Scott Kahn, and uh, J.T. Simmons. It will be released in the summer of 2012. The Black Marks stars Kurt Russell, Matt Dillon, J.B. Baracho, Terrence Stamp is currently in post production. Will be distributed by uh, Dimension Films. Nicholas Nicholas' first television series, Forget about it. Forget about it. I'm sorry. Will be airing in September of 2012. I was honored by Variety magazine as one of the top uh, 10 producers to watch in 2008. So uh, join me in welcoming uh, Nicholas to the show. Hi, Nicholas. How are you doing?
0: Great, thank you, Rex. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. It's good to have you here, uh, and I hope I yeah. didn't butcher too many names. And, and, <laughs> and, no, no, the, no,
0: not at all, not at all. And b- before we begin, I just want to compliment you on your uh, theme music to the show. Very uh, very Doctor Who. It took me back. I really like it.
1: Oh, well, you know what? That's so cool. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that, that my daughter created that music when she was about 10 on GarageBand. Really? Yep. And uh, oh. I... I put it on the show. I was looking for things, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna. This is an homage to my daughter. I'm gonna put it on. And and people have. They didn't say Doctor Whoish, but people have asked about it throughout the years. And uh, and so thanks, thanks. i she's, she's very talented. She's uh, very talented. I
0: really enjoy you know, her. very very cool. Very moody.
1: Thank you, thank you. Well, she is. She's an incredible editor. She likes to make music videos. She's now she's about to be 14. And I last night I asked her. I said. Would you like to go out and shoot a, a band and, and make a, a music video of this band? And she said, oh, Of course. And I said, Okay. So I, I chatted a friend up who's a, a band promoter and I said, You got a band that, that's rehearsing. You don't want to come by with my daughter. No lights, no camera. Not an official video, but just come by and shoot it. And he said, Absolutely. And I said, Great. And, and then we'll see what she does with it and, and take it from there. But she, she's got stuff all over YouTube and, I mean, she really is prolific.
0: That's great. Well, a lot of a lot of very successful, great uh, film directors started out in music videos. So she's on, she's on
1: her way. <laughs> well, this is true. So thanks for commenting, and uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so, but uh, let me ask you. Um, now you just made me a proud dad, so I'll I <laughs> take a second. Um, but <laughs> let me ask you: You know, you're doing all these movies. You got a TV show debuting in in September, and uh, you're a very busy man. Uh, how did you get started?
0: I started, I, I, well, before I started, I I was a little late to the film business. You know, you you typically hear these stories of um, people that, you know, as kids, they went to the films as often as they could and shared their biggest moments and all that kind of thing. And since young teens, they wanted to be a filmmaker. That wasn't my story. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a long time. I dabbled here and I dabbled there. I tried various things. And it wasn't until my late twenties that I really sort of discovered the uh, the film business. And it was because I was reading a magazine, and I was reading a magazine article. I've forgotten what it was now. It was my, my late twenties was, was sadly um, a, a little over a decade ago, so um, so I it, it's lost in the sands of time. What that magazine was? But there's an article about what a film producer does. And when I realized and learned that um, that it's this is this mix of Talents and skills and you'd have to do a whole bunch of different things and it wasn't all sort of the same thing every day. Um, that really, really appealed to me because I had always sort of struggled between an interest in, in, in business and finance and I liked that kind of world, but that by itself was sort of just a bit too dry and, and, and boring for me. And I really loved creativity and artis- artistic en- uh, um, artistic endeavors and I loved reading and I loved uh, music. I'm a huge music fan. But I didn't, I wasn't a, a, a truly deeply creative person. I didn't have the talent to be a writer or composer or musician myself. But when I learned what a film producer does is that they work with those kind of people and they're sort of the, the liaison between creative people and business people and they help bring, bring to life a creative vision. That just struck me as that is a, a perfect job. That is exactly what I want to do with my life. So I um I I learned this as I said sort of mid late twenties and I and I and I started at the very very bottom. I call myself a blue collar producer, and what I mean by that is that I started uh, on set as a PA. I was a PA, which stands for production assistant, which is basically the the very uh, opening job in the film business, the lowest job in the film business. I was a gopher, and then I became a production accountant because. I had a sort of a natural affinity for numbers. I'm just sort of good with numbers, and it wasn't. I never really wanted to be an accountant, but it was a good. It was a good way to get into the business. So I became a production accountant. Then I became a production manager. Then I became a line producer, and then I finally, ultimately, became a producer of my own material. And
2: um,
0: what, I, what I learned in retrospect, once I became a producer, and I really learned what a producer does. I learned that I did it all wrong. That was really just not, not the way to do it. Um, and if anyone's listening now who, uh, who wants to become a producer, don't follow my lead because all those years I spent, you know, I spent about 10 years on film sets, learning how to physically make movies. Um, that has so little to do with what a producer really does. What you really want to be is... What a producer really does is connect people. And what you really, the skills you really want as a producer... Is relationships relationships and 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 um, uh, you know it's it's about getting material into the right hands. That's what a producer does. So all that time spent learning how films are made really doesn't play much of a role in my in my job today. But that's okay. You know whatever 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 path gets you there, I suppose in the end doesn't, doesn't really matter.
2: Well,
1: it's a fascinating fascinating path, and and at the same time. Um it's an interesting it's interesting to note that, you know, uh all of what you mentioned you know, are the nuts and bolts, you know, in terms of producing that, that a producer uh will have to uh take part in. But the 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 crux of what you said is truly important is the idea of connecting people up and about relationships. Correct. Correct. I mean, is this, so it's it's a, when i mean that that happens to be a a, a main tenant uh, of this show in, in terms of uh, business relationships and and uh, and establishing those um connections uh, that uh it's it's like you know the old saying it's it's not who you know uh i mean it's who you know and then there's the one that says it's not who you know but who knows you so yes,
0: yes, exactly
1: you know it's what you're known for it's it's your integrity it's your ability to to uh put people to, I, mean, I I'm going I'm going to shut up I'm going to ask you to just elaborate on that point for a minute and uh, or two and and, and to continue because it's a, it's an excellent point that I think people don't hear enough about
0: sure sure so um yeah i mean as you say it's really I mean, that old cliche about it's not what you know it's true you know is it, is probably more true in the film business than any other industry i can think of um, so what I do today is develop material, and, and we can talk about that in more detail later, but, you know, get hold of the material. So right off the very, very bat, it's who, which agents know me, what agents are going to send me material, what writers are going to send me material, who, you know, so, so right so the very, very, very beginning of my job of, my, of putting a film together Already is relationship driven. It's what material is going to come through my door, and then it's uh, about packaging, is sort of the next step along that that journey of getting a film made. And packaging means putting cast and directors together with it. And again, it's who do I know? What again? What agents am I to be able to get on the phone? Which directors are going to read the scripts that I get to that, that I want to send to them? Uh, and then actors again, who can kind I of put in this film and so forth? So so it's really it's all relationship driven it's all about whom can I get to. and then i it, it, I'm sort of keep to my own my own monologue here but um the the next step or the, the most crucial of all is financing the picture, and that more than any other um, uh part of the process is relationship driven you know of course ultimately the financing of the film is going to be about the material and the package itself but the same package in different hands is gonna be received much, much differently. So um it's it's you know, who do I know that is gonna be uh entrusting me with millions of dollars to of their money to see this vision through and deliver a film. Uh that takes a long time. It takes a long time to build up those relationships and a long time of success for them to be able to think that I'll be able to do that. Um, And that's really what what it's all about in in producing, is being able to get to those people that can green light and spend the money in order to get your film made.
1: I think that's a a, a fantastic point that you made, and that is that... um you know when it comes to raising money i think a lot of people think well you know what i will crowdfund this or i will uh go out i've got a package you know i'm going to attach some big story to it and or a name you know, or or for that matter i have, no, have nobody you know involved but i'm going to i'm going to be able to raise some money and uh and then they go looking and they and a lot of people don't understand that if you're going to crowdfund it, it's based on really who you know and who knows you and what they think of you and whether they trust you or not if you're out talking to your aunts and uncles to raise money for a project that still do they like you know do they like you as a relative or do your friends yeah. and, and business people. So it, it you know, I I can't stress enough when I was a young guy in the movie I didn't I mean I always thought yes, it was who you knew, but I didn't realize that I had to be a part of that. It was like if these people knew me, then everything was cool. You know, if I if I could get up and rub against up against the right person in the right way, then they might put take me under their wing and give me a job. But I didn't realize that I had to offer some value first. You know, I had to be the kind of person they wanted in their circle. I you know I had to have you know uh, integrity or honesty or loyalty or trust or talent or something as well. In order for people to want to one meet me, be with me, two and hire me back again, or work with me a second time, and I think you know there's a there's a saying in sales that no sale is made until the customer buys a second time. You know, All right, the first right, time right.
0: Yeah, that's a good saying. I I, actually, I, I haven't heard that, but I like it.
1: But yeah, and same thing is true with investors. You know, if you can get an investor to come back to to invest in a second film. Or a third film. If you if you get your cinematographer to work with you again, not just because they like the paycheck, but because you're a good working team, then it's because you 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 know you you have created those relationships um, that that you'll take with you through your business career.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so
1: when you said you you started late and you and you you came in, you know, as a PA, and you worked your way up. Um, was there any? Uh, how did I mean? You just started. Were you in Los Angeles or in Toronto? How did you? How, uh, how did you I, get? I
0: started. Yeah, I started in Toronto. I started in mm-hmm. Toronto, and um, you know, of course, Toronto is um, there's a, a tremendous amount of, of filming in Toronto, um, especially in in the in the late '90s and early 2000s when the uh, dollar was a lot lower. Um, so combined with sort of a lower Canadian dollar and the tax credit system, which is very, very stable and strong in Canada. Uh-huh. There's a tremendous amount of filming up there. So, the, again, it, it was relatively... I mean, even that in itself was, was was hard, but it was relatively easy to get jobs on film sets in that time. So that's another reason why I, sort of, I felt I want that route, because that was the route that was made available to me. But film... But the film is being uh, instigated and developed and um, built from the ground up in Toronto and, and Canada and in general. It's quite small. It's a very, very small film industry and film community relative to uh, the American one, obviously. So my goal had always been to center my uh, business and my career and my life, quite frankly, in Los Angeles. So. Uh, as soon as I sort of felt I was able to do that, I did. Um, yeah, so I so I, I I did start in Toronto, but then moved my my base to to Los Angeles, where I am now.
1: All right, all right. Um, so on a on a as you got into this and you worked your way up, um, uh, can you just, can you, uh, for example, talk about the different kinds of producers and producing there is. Um, you know, you you wear many different hats and have worn many different hats, but to break those out uh for the listeners and and, yeah. and what the responsibilities are for each.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Because you know, producing is the is the one um kind of job or title or credit, whatever you want to call it, that has a very amorphous uh ambiguous meaning. You know, when you're looking at a bunch of credits or you see something on a resume it says gaffer, you know, you know exactly what that, that person did on the film. If it says you know director, you know what the director did, editor, grip, what have you. You know, you've got to say, okay, I, I know exactly what he or she did on the movie if it judging from the from the from the credit, you know. The producer is not always a, not always the case. and it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine, and in fact pet peeves are even a bit strong, uh, uh weak of a word, it's a bit stronger than that, how I feel about it. The, the, the credit has ceased to um to have as much meaning as it should, but that's a whole other topic we can get into later. Um so what producers do? Well, there are a variety of things. The the, the, the producer's job is to really um put the entire film together. Very often they they instigate the 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 very beginning of it. And by that what I mean is from nothing they begin the project and it can be an idea that comes up with a producer from the very beginning um, and they'll to hire a screenwriter to to execute it. Admittedly, I uh, have never done that. I usually start with a screenplay that somebody else has written. Um, but also, but what I do do fairly often is option material. So it can be either a novel or a book or a magazine article or a newspaper article or something you hear, you know, on the, on the radio. And... Um, Uh, So it's taking the idea from the very, very beginning, developing the material, um, uh, putting it, again, as I referenced earlier, putting what's called the packages together, hiring a director, hiring the cast, raising the money, uh, seeing it through the production, uh, overseeing the the, uh, actual execution of the making of the film with the crew and so forth, managing the budget, making sure it comes in on time and on schedule as best you can seeing it right through to post-production, overseeing the edit and the mix and the music and so forth, the composition, uh, and then right through to market. Well, selling it at the, at the end of that period, you, you often sell a film in stages. You you sell it to a certain degree in the beginning in order to get it financed, and then in the independent world I'm talking about now, not in the studio world, but in the independent world, you often have many territories left over, and you're selling them again uh, once the film is completed. And when I say you're selling them... There's a whole other industry and a whole other party that is actually going around to the markets and internationally, selling them. But you've got to engage that sales agent and you've got to oversee those deals and you've got to sort of monitor those sales. Um, uh, and then when the film is released, you you're involved with the marketing to the to the degree that the distributor you know allows you to be. So you're going to be looking at posters and key art and and trailers. Uh, uh, so really, it, it's the producer is the one job more than the director and people don't realize this um, the producer is the one job that is involved with every single aspect of a movie's making which is why by the way the, the best picture Oscar goes to the producer because that really is the job that is involved with the film from the, from the first second of its beginning to the, to the very last second of its, um, of its completion which really actually never happens a film is never really finished to be honest with you um yes, I don't know if I if I oh. encompass that, but it really is sort of not, you know, beginning to everything.
1: No, that, that's very cool. I, and and I imagine your background helped you with all the different aspects of uh of what it takes to produce because when you think about it, you need to know what to do before the movie is made, you need to know what's going on during the movie is being made, and then you need to know, you know the post-production process, and then you got to you have your hand in the the sales and marketing aspect of it. Afterwards, so I mean, there's a there's a lot to learn. Do you have a, I mean, you know, your trek was to go through and you know, accounting and line producing and different things. Do you have a, a suggested uh, um, suggestion for people out there who are hoping to produce their first film? And 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 one other thing, if you could address at the same time, I know in the world of micro budgets and in the world of low budgets that anybody can pick up a camera. I, I you know anyone can pick one up and make a feature film. Essentially, it's not it's not the same ball game, and they're not necessarily playing in the same ballpark as you know larger independent filmmakers who are raising millions of dollars or the studios. But they, but they think I'm going to go make a movie, and, and my hats off to them. But oftentimes they're one person who's trying to do everything themselves, or they're the director. You know, they want to direct the movie, yeah. and they don't understand the value and the role of having the producer produce the movie for them.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, that, that yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So so, let me speak to a couple of things you said there. You know, first of all, in terms of my background, just to sort of you know reiterate something I I started with. You know, unfortunately, really learning the all that time I spent in, in physical production probably is about two percent of my job now. Um, to, to give a metaphor, which is a bit more uh, I think relatable to people who aren't in the film business is if you're a real estate developer, if you're Donald Trump, you know the skills that you need to have and the relationships you need to have are with you know bankers and and, and the local government and and uh, architects and surveyors all that kind of thing. The equivalent speaking metaphorically is you it didn't matter for Donald Trump and real estate developers you don 't need to know how to mix cement and hammer nails what i the way I learned, I learned how to mix cement and hammer nails you know that, that that's rude I like always producing uh-huh. films and um and so 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 being able to to have those skills uh doesn't really involve my 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 job much now um so I think I was just, just want to comment 'cause you know you talked about sort of how my my background is helpful Good. and and really it it it's it's the the skills that I learned much later in my career are the ones that I apply every single day not not the beginnings of it. Um, and in terms of starting out or, or someone who wants to produce their their own film, I'm going to answer that question in two entirely different ways. Let me start by saying if the question is, how do I become a producer if i'm If I want to be a producer one day, how do I do that? So that answer is uh get a job in an office. don't spend time on set. What you want to do is you want to get, like, literally, I know it's a cliche, but the cliche holds true for the 100 years and still holds true today. Maybe not quite 100 years, but certainly 50 or 60 years. Get a job in the mailroom of an agency um, because that's where you're going to meet everybody. You will will, will meet agents. You will meet the clients at that agency. You will see how deals are put together. You will see who is doing what. You want to be... Uh, the, the mailroom job still is one of the best ways to break into the industry, uh, and, even, and certainly if you want to be an agent. But even if you don't want to be an agent, it's a great way to uh, to, to to be to immerse yourself in the industry. And if not in an agency, in a production company, there's a very um, uh, institutionalized, sort of um, well-known, well-beaten path towards advancing in this. Industry is that you you start as an assistant, what's called be on somebody's desk, which means you're answering the phones and uh, handling the responsibilities, assisting an executive, and via that that experience again, you were, you're you're listening, you know, phone calls, and you're 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 occasionally being able to sit on meetings, and you you see who your boss is meeting with and what they do, and uh, and you're learning from that, and that's how people get promoted. So. Uh, and then you have all these. Ultimately, go from that to become a, a junior executive yourself. That's the that's the very normal path. And from, you know, being a being a, an executive at a at a larger company, is is a is a natural segue to uh, ultimately becoming a producer, you know, yourself. So if somebody is asking how to become a producer, the answer is move to Los Angeles, move to New York, get a job with an agency, get a job with a production company and and learn, 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 and meet people, meet people, meet people. That's the way to do it. Because the people who you're going to become very tight and close with the other assistants because you're sort of banded together, and as you progress and grow, they will as well. So whomever you're sitting beside of the mailroom at, at, at uh, WME one day and you're sorting mail together, three, four, five years from that point, that individual is going to be in a position at... A new line is an executive, and you'll be able to call them up and reminisce about the old days and have drinks and be able to send that person a script, a piece of material. Or they will have stayed at the agency and they're going to represent a client who, all of a sudden, because their film opened last weekend, has huge numbers, has a lot of value, and you can call that person up and, same thing, and be able to have their client read the screenplay that you're trying to get produced. So, that is the absolute best way to break into the film industry. And it's the advice that I wish I had heard or read, you know, when I started. the answer to you know, question? so
1: go ahead, Rex. I was just gonna say no now that is so uh, such wonderful information and, and I agree. I mean when I was a kid in in the in the business I wish that that was you know what somebody would have said, you know, just shut up and go do this.
0: <laughs> it yeah. would have
1: been perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, that's great.
0: Well, and then I was gonna answer the question the, the, the sort of a second way. You know, and that is the gorilla style way of pick up a camera and make a low-budget movie. That is is closer to what I did and certainly what I sometimes do now still. You know, I, I still uh, occasionally in, in an executive producer, uh, more mentor capacity. In fact, literally a film, tiny low-budget film, just wrapped uh, uh, two nights ago that I'm executive producing. Uh, okay. That is, is a different way of doing things. And in that regard, yeah, I mean if that you know I, first of all, I would advise that if you want to be a director, if you want to be a writer or director, you want to create a person, then that's the opposite path to take, uh or at least maybe opposite is not the right word, but that's the alternate i should say path to take. Don't get a job in an office, make your own super low budget film that's the way to do that. It won't help you as much as a producer, but it will be exactly the path you want to take as a as a as a director and you're right uh what you said it's much easier these days with technology and cameras that you can buy at at um um best buy that are that are you know are good enough now to to, to air on television and then even in theaters if you should be so lucky um crowdsource the aunts and uncles as you as you said Rex you know however you want to put that 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 financing together make your film. The, the one bit of advice I would give that, and I've given this many, many times, is it's fine to make a short, maybe make a second short, hone your skills, get your mistakes out of the way, figure out how things work, figure out how your camera works, figure out how to work with actors. By the time you've made your third short, you're you're making too many. Shorts will never... Well, shorts have no commercial value. Shorts should be looked at as a... a Learning experience only and as a calling card second. It's really hard. You do hear the occasional short that goes on YouTube and all of a sudden it's a sensation and it did, and, and uh, you know, somebody gets discovered. Of course, every year one short, you know, wins an Oscar. Um, but aside from those two kind of lottery style ways of getting a short seen, it's extremely rare for a short to be seen anywhere uh, outside of your own living room. Um so think of it as a as a as a learning experience only. If you're gonna make a third short, wait, save a bit more money and make a feature. It, it has so much more value. And again, these days with cost of cameras and if you're doing a guerrilla style of friends and family and you are shooting in your you know, your uncle's restaurants and all that kind of thing, then make the feature anyways. Because a feature you potentially could have real value. A feature you can actually sell, a feature people actually watch, and a feature actually can be seen by people. So um, don't spend too much energy and time making short films.
1: Very, very, very good. Again, sound advice. Um, as we're continuing, I wanted to mention also uh, that I didn't, that, that uh, your website is DariusFilms.com. Uh, that's D-A-R-I-U-S Films.com. And I invite everybody to go and check that out as well. Uh, what do you think about sort of the current trend with web series?
0: You know, the answer is I don't know, and uh, and I think if you, anybody you ask who, who answers anything different is uh, is lying to you because <laughs> because nobody knows. I find them the, the 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 I think there's two ways they can go. Uh, one is if they're really successful and become buzzed about and seen, it can be a launching pad to a real series. I don't. I, I sort of feel in the back of my head that there is a case or two of that happening. I don't know that for sure. Maybe you do, um, but I feel like I've heard that some TV series that is actually on the air now started out as a web series. Uh, again, my hunch is that's a little bit of like a, a bit of a lottery ticket thing. I don't think it's going to happen mm-hmm. very often. Um, but if it is super successful, great. The other thing that could happen is maybe one day they will become a a commercial a commercially viable product unto themselves. I I am positive. I don't know a lot about that world, but I, I but I know enough to know because I have done my research and my experiments, and taken my meetings. Uh, I I am positive that that isn't a business unto itself at this time. It just isn't. It's not being monetized to a degree that except for, you know, these few phenomenons that, that, that put out wacky, funny videos, and, you know, that they shoot in their basement and they're able to uh, actually generate a real income out of it. So I'm not saying nobody's making a living from it, but, I mean, nobody's building a business out of it yet. There's no real industry of, of web series or web videos Um It'll be interesting to see where that goes. What what I do think is gonna happen and, and, and this is not much of a prognostication because it's it's already happening, um, is that there will be a a blurring of lines and no definition between web channels and and networks. I think to um to to a newborn today, by the time they are uh, you know, watching television and sort of, you know, aware of certainly by the time they're buying their own TVs, uh, if they're even called televisions in that by that time. The difference between Netflix, Hulu, and ABC and NBC, they won't understand why they're different or that they are different at all. You know, to our generation, Hulu, Netflix and, and YouTube are entirely different animals and different medias from NBC and HBO. But that's that's not gonna be that way for much longer. I think it's, uh, 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 all internet is going to be on the television very, very soon, and once that is the case, i should have actually sort of said that that in reverse. What I should have said was all televisions will be internet enabled very soon, and mm-hmm. once that is the case, there's not going to be any difference and 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 if you're not born into it, where the internet has been created within your lifetime, like it is for for us, Rex, and probably not for a lot of our listeners. Right. Um, there won't be any difference. They're not going to know why Hulu is called an, uh streaming and NBC is called a network. They so don't get it. What's the difference? They're the exact same thing. And I think that that's what's going to come. So, so House of Cards is this, you know, this um, show that's going on Netflix. It, it's it made a lot of buzz because it was made directly for Netflix. But I think it's going to become really, really normal very soon. And I think, uh, I, I think. Right now, we're going through this, in what's called the upfronts, which is the in the TV world where all of the uh, the networks announce to the advertisers what their new channels are, uh, what the new series are that are coming out next year. I think in three or four years, Netflix and Hulu and probably a couple that haven't even been created, and maybe Facebook, uh, quite likely, um, YouTube are going to be the upfronts along with um, along with the majors.
1: That's an excellent point. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, it, it truly is amazing that to uh, some regard, and we're in a completely new, you know, pioneering kind of uh, uh, climate or decade or, you know, experience that uh, what you said, but we don't know what's exactly going to happen, but, you know, things are coming down the pike this way. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I have always wondered this, and that is, you know, back in the old days when there were three networks, and um, like in the 70s, you know, I mean, we made by comparison about 100 movies worldwide a year uh, that got to market, whereas yep. in '39, you know, MGM could release a new movie every other day. You know, right. the, the amount of movies being made were just phenomenally reduced in terms of, and and then you had three networks which they didn't have in the 30s or 40s, and and they had a certain amount of programming. And uh, and then it was competition for that family hour, what became known as family hour, that prime time time, and then you had you know a later hour, and then you had the late late hour, you know where things residual wars and all that kind of stuff. That that now we've got twenty four seven television programming. We've got I, I don't believe we've actually got hundreds of channels yet. We've got. We we do have I mean that are that are producing content we've got right. some that are recycling content we've got some that are music we've got some that are sports you know we've got some that are redundant we've got like TNT East and TNT West and they're, all they're doing is showing the same thing at different times, um, but 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 we have more available avenues for production yeah. than what you just said you know Hulu Netflix Facebook you know I mean Google I mean you know I mean all these. Places could be producing series or shows or content for the web, for the television, and it'll be indistinguishable one from the other as to whether it was a network show or whether it was – I think that's a fascinating point. And yet it seems like so many people aren't working. <laughs> I mean, how could it be that yeah. there's so many avenues and so few people working? And, you know, people will say, well, you know, there's 125,000 people in Screen Actors Guild. But there were 100,000 people in Screen Actors Guild in the 70s when I joined. I mean, it wasn't. You know, that 25,000 people didn't take all the jobs away from everybody else. I mean, it's always been like, it's always been only a, a small percentage of the of the population, you know, makes it, it, you know, working. And the thing that i I try and encourage some actors if you gotta act act and, and do it, but there's so many things behind the scenes that you can do and you can learn, and you can have and I didn't want to hear this when I was eighteen years old in the film business. you know I had some friends who were makeup artists in hair and- you know in hair, and they'd go well we, you, what you think we wanted to start in makeup and hair." And I went well. Right, and They said no. Right. I wanted to be actors, but but this was how we could make a business. You know, we could be in the business. We yeah. could work on movies. And I didn't want to hear that. I was like, well, you know, you gave up on your. Now I look back and go, God, they were so smart. They were, yeah. You know, they they took advantage of an opportunity of a, of a doorway and an opening, and made it happen for themselves. You know, and stayed in the business where some people give up. So it 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 it, it it's like there's so much right now available, and we don't even know how that's going to shake out. Um, And yet, um, there, I'm getting off my soapbox. Um, (laughs) Let let me do this. Let me take a short break, and, um, and then we're going to come back. And uh, I'm going to ask you. Uh, continue to ask you some questions. But I'm really enjoying this, Nicholas. It's is fascinating listening to listen to, and I really love what you're sure, hearing. Sure. That listening to. So uh, let me say that you're listening to Rex Sykes' movie Beat. My guest today is N- Nicholas Heberach, uh, a producer. He's been talking about uh, making movies and what it means to be a producer. He's given us some really sage advice. Um, for uh, starting as a producer and/or and starting as a filmmaker and director, um, I always appreciate your comments and your support about blogs and articles and conversations and, and these interviews. So uh, again, I, sometimes I forget to mention this, but feel free to email me through the website, you know, if, uh, for feedback, for suggestions, for uh, information, for guests, and all that. Um, and I'll try and get back to you in a timely fashion if if I can. Uh, my upcoming guests are going to be tomorrow. On the show is Kim Swanson. She's a casting director. She'll be joining us. We'll be talking about making a career as an actor. Um, if you're not living at Hollywood, she's from Missouri, and so she's going to be talking about what it's like to be, you know, working in a in a regional. Uh, in the regional area of the Midwest, and uh, and what that means, and when and where and how you might want to move to Hollywood, and Peter Marshall will return on Friday. Peter's the director who's been conducting the director series with me. I think we're at part nineteen or twenty at this point, uh, but a very fascinating conversation about filmmaking and, and uh, from a director's standpoint, we're working with actors and talking about you know blocking and filming and and, and getting a performance from the actor uh, at, at that in in this particular in these upcoming episodes. So stay with us. And then Peter Foldy will be joining us. Peter Foldy is a musician and a, and a director, filmmaker. He'll be coming up. Jason Brubaker is a producer. who has got a number of offerings on the Internet. Filmmakingstuff.com, I believe, is his website. And he's got books and different programs that you're going to want to check into. Uh, so those are some of my upcoming guests. And, again, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official web address is rexsikes.com. Please Don't leave the show today, and if you're in the chat room, live or archived, don't leave without leaving a comment, and the comment is below the chat room window or below the player, whichever is there for you, but go ahead and leave a comment there or rate and review the show if you're listening to this as a podcast, and please, archived or live, go ahead and tweet about it, say you listened to it, share it with someone else, put it on your Facebook wall or or share it with a friend some other way, But, but please continue to share and comment, and thank you for listening and being here. And Nicholas, we're back. Great. So, um, the, the, I just want to c- kind of continue the, the notion. Um, I have some guests and some friends who have done some some Some. Uh, uh, they're, they're producing a series called Husbands the Series. It's Jana Benson, she's a producer and writer on uh, Once Upon a Time on ABC, and Jeff Greenstein who's been on Friends and Will and Grace and Desperate Housewives and Parenthood. He's, he's directing the series, and and um, and um, an internation named Cheeks is the is the uh, architect and writer of this. And uh, Brad Bell and and um, Brad Brad gained prominence doing kind of I guess the funny videos on the internet. And I when I asked both Jane and he separately, um, I said, Well, how did you guys get connected? She said, "Well, I saw him do a video one time on YouTube, and I called him up. And I, you know, and he, of course, said the same story. In you know, uh, you right, know, right. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, how do you get millions of hits?' He said, it's not about getting millions of hits.' Which, uh, which, uh, till that point, I had always thought, I, well, of course it is.' But, but what he he enlightened me to is the notion that it's about getting the right person to see your video. Mm-hmm. And and so if in those millions of hits or in those dozen hits that you get, the right person sees it, then, th- then doors can open up. And and so now they're producing a television-quality uh, web series in its second season. they are only two-minute episodes each. I don't know whether there's been a – you had mentioned that there's been a, a, a web series that may have got a television. That that could be. I, I don't know if that has happened or not yet. But uh, it does appear – that there you know there are there are more there seem to be I mean uh Willie Garson and, and Patrick Breen and uh and other people, Garson is on white collar I mean a lot of these um white collars starting with white collar um a lot of uh, uh, on camera talent and behind the scenes talent are are starting to do web series and some with no money in it at all, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know
1: but but they're out there seeing what they can do in this in this you know, new frontier land, I guess.
0: Exactly. I, I think I, my my hunch is to them it's about being able to you know even if they're very successful and working actors on these uh, as you mentioned some of these you know very big successful television series, it's an opportunity for them to put their own work out there and and uh, be the creators of their own uh, material.
1: Well let me let me ask you from your standpoint, I and I'm gonna put you right on the spot. <laughs> you may or may not look at YouTube, you know, you may not be watching you know, this thing. But let's say I'm a director or I'm a writer or I'm an actor and, and I have a web series. Um you know, is that the kind of thing that if you stumbled across the right person at the right time in the right place, you go, Oh, interesting. You know, um maybe I do want to contact this person.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I I actually tried that once. I saw a a video on YouTube um, that I thought was really clever and 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 cool and, and showed some real talent and skills. I actually tried to track down the, the the filmmaker, the person who put it up, and I just had trouble locating them. And I was, Ouch. You know, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't hire a, a, a private eye. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. But um, but I, I, yes, the truth is, if something came across. You know, my, my, I, listen to this way. I don't search for talent that way. I definitely, and maybe I right. should. That's not to say that I, that's a good thing. I, you know, if I were an agent and my job was all about discovering new talent and my, you mm-hmm. know, salary was about discovering new talent, that may certainly be a way I would do it. Um, so I don't spend time deliberately trying to break new people by, you know you know looking on YouTube for videos and so forth, but if one would afford it to me that I thought was excellent, yeah, I would try to track that person down
1: see that's that's cool, that's good advice because I think I mean you know we hear this we you know we we hear and and there's some evidence to back it up that studios are out there farming the internet, looking for different things and and that makes a certain amount of sense, and at the same time when you're busy doing what you're doing you know you're gonna have other people who might do that—that—that—that that, that, that would be, you know, within their job description. While you're busy doing other things, and I think yeah. sometimes people, whether they're actors or writers or otherwise, just think, well, you know, everybody's looking for me, you know, and, yeah. and that yeah. may—that may not be the case. Uh, so, let, it,
0: yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it's definitely not the case, uh, and it really is. Again, it's very rare, and, and maybe three or four times a year you'll see these things in the trade. Some buddy in the middle of the country with no connections to anyone just shot a video in their backyard and it was so cool and so neat that they got signed to CAA. That that does happen, but it's it is rare and it isn't the norm. Um, so yeah, you've got to do a bit more than just uh just put it out there. And, and and those videos that really get that kind of attention are so incredibly innovative and cool and smart and clever. Uh it takes a lot to stand out from the pack. If if it's if yours is sort of like you know, amusing and cute. That's not gonna. That's not gonna cut it. You know, that's not gonna get anybody's attention because there's a ton of good material on the web. It's all about super excellent stuff that's right? it's, it's gonna actually get someone's attention.
1: Cool. I want to put you on the spot again,
0: <laughs> and so I thanks.
1: apologize. I apologize in advance. But, but I think it's important for people to understand. You know, you're a busy man and you're out working and you're doing things and there's social events and stuff like that. You know, and and I used to uh, a friend of mine was hosting dinners and I would invite filmmakers in to come and talk and and you know the actors and, and writers would show up with screenplays under their arms and their photos and I'd go, but this isn't this is a dinner party. Just kind of come in and listen and and don't you know if if you're asked you know if you've got a screenplay then. Then talk about it but don't hand somebody a screenplay yeah so they don't want they don't want to walk out with an armful of screenplays when they came in to have dinner so so how best do people approach someone like yourself or how do how do people make inroads because you know uh actors sit in Hollywood and they look at all these production companies and they see in the trades you know uh so and so's going into production and and stuff can you can you uh address the protocol for uh, people who are trying to advance their careers for reaching out and and the the dos and don'ts.
0: Sure, sure, sure. And that protocol, by the way, uh, applies to everybody at every step along the way. You know, so the, 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 as you say, there may be there may be I'm not assuming there is, but there may be um, a young or new writer, director, actor who, who, who wants to get a piece of material to me. But by the same token, I want to get to know, you know, Brad Grey and. Jeff Robinoff and these guys that I would love to bump up to at a cocktail party and start chatting with, you know. Uh-huh. So, so the and those guys, by the way, they they all there's a whole level above them that where they want to uh, rub shoulders with the, the next level, sort of mogul them up for for their next step in their careers. So it applies at every step along the way. Um, and I think you really hit on it there, Rex, that that. It, if you're at an event um, that is a social engagement, by all means, chat with people, introduce yourself, say what you do, but don't pitch. You know, make it conversational, and hope that what you have to say is interesting enough and and captures someone's attention enough that they will choose to ask for follow up or. Stay in touch or something. Well, sorry, not stay in touch. It's fine for you to say, "I would love to stay in touch." Uh, can I get your number? Completely acceptable, no problem. But don't at that moment in that event say, "Hey, I got this story I want you know this script, but can I send you this?" You know, save that for later. There really is sort of a sense of um, when it's appropriate and, and when it isn't. Um, I think the thing to do is, in a social way, say could I get your email, could I get your number? And then if you say, can I call you next week and set up a club, then it's business. And look, most, many social events in this industry are about business anyways. So that's acceptable. Like You're not fooling anybody by pretending you don't have an ultimate motive of promoting your career or your particular project. So that's fine. You don't have to pretend otherwise, but you just have to approach it such a way that you're doing it at the right moment. So if you're saying to someone, can I call you that, you know, you're seeing somebody on a Thursday night at a screening, and you say, can I call you on Monday to set up a time to tell you about my script, that's completely acceptable because that's the appropriate time to do it, you know? And if it isn't a social event, um, the best way to get material to, uh, to a production company or producer is via an agent or lawyer. It... it it just gives a sense of legitimacy. It just sort of adds one more layer of um, of filtering that, okay, so if a lawyer or agent or manager is sending it to me, somebody has vetted this person, this piece of material, before it's come to me. So that really is the best thing, to try to have somebody like that on your team that can uh, disseminate your material for you. And, and the final thing I would say is, in this is sort of coming full circle to how we started the conversation. It's all about relationships. So, in a in a in a respectful way, um, uh, take advantage of relationships. If you have a second cousin, best friend, went to high school with someone who's in the business, call that person up and say, "Hey, we met once at a wedding three years ago. Uh, would love to just have coffee with you and." chat with you for, learn from you for 20 minutes. People get that. I think most people who are decent, you respect it and, and, and will give that time. And that's how you do it, man. Like, it's, is, the more and more I, you talk to people, hey, how would you get started? How would you get started? You hear that story over and over and over again. My cousin was represented at CAA and they introduced me to their lawyer. Or, I, you know, I played basketball with a bunch of guys on Saturday afternoons and one of them happened to be the Creator of this TV series, and we became buddies. And he said, "Hey, you should meet this guy." I mean, that's how it works. So don't, don't, don't shut the sigh about reaching out to people who are connected, who you do know, and uh, and saying, "Can I, can I come in for 20 minutes and just talk to you about how you got started?" I, I do that all. The t- I, I mean, I'm re- I'm receiving that kind of thing all the time, and I'll, I'll always make time for that because I know how hard it is.
1: Oh that's very cool that's very cool are are there are there uh, deals made on the metaphorical golf course if not the literal one
0: i'm sure i uh sadly don't play golf. It's probably a pole no, in my uh i'd probably be much more successful if i did but um but yes, I've certainly done deals at um at 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 bars and restaurants well when i say done deals you know truly doing a deal is with lawyers and everything You know, weeks and weeks later. But I've certainly um, um, pitched projects and asked to send things and forwarded projects, uh, you know, move them forward is what I mean by that, um, outside of the office all the time, absolutely. And especially when it's um, like a film festival where everybody's outside of the office. Uh, I mean, that's how business is done. You know, business is done at bars and restaurants and uh coffee shops when you're at Madison you and Cannes Toronto all the time. Very, very much the norm. That's not that's not just a cliche that i sorry, that's not just a myth, that is very much the, 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 the industry norm.
1: Well, that's very cool, and and uh, you know you've given so much for people to think about and to put into practice. I mean, this this is very, very fascinating. And you know what? I'm going to ask you to come back on the show again. We've got more time, but I want to ask you to come back on the show again and talk more about these kinds of things because it's very, very helpful, and and for people to understand, um, you know, if you're trying to break in. You know how to ease your way in and how to keep you know in touch and everything. But I wanted to I wanted to go back and I wanted to be sure because I know you've got a you know a couple new movies and you got a new one called uh, The Black Marks coming out and and stuff. But but from the first movie that you produced, you know can we can we kind of go back to that day when you went from being yeah. like a, a line producer or someone else's movie to to saying okay now I'm going to produce my movie. And, yeah. uh, and 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 what what that was like, and then and then kind of you know bring us up to the Black Marks because I'm really fascinated hearing about you know your new movie and and when what what's going on with that and when that's going to come out and how we can see it and everything.
0: Sure, great. My the first movie I produced, uh, I actually got very very lucky, and I sort of spoiled, and it, it actually kind of uh, in a funny sort of way um, ruined me for a couple of years. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The first interview, so I, as I said, I was a production manager. and um, uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was through a friend of mine, an actor friend of mine, who was a mutual friend of both of us. Uh, this, this young writer wanted, had a script that he wanted to get into a kit made, and this mutual friend introduced the two of us. And, you know, I wanted to be a producer, and I read the script, and I loved it. So I went to, um, to my lawyer. Uh, my entertainment lawyer at the time, and said, uh, uh, you know, I've the script, I want to produce my film, and, you know, what advice can you give me? And one of his clients had uh, just recently been hired to be an executive at, um, it's, it's sadly gone now, but it was a company called Telescene, which was a, uh, uh, in the late 90s, was a um, quite a large and successful uh, Canadian uh, studio. You know, they're, they're a public company, another you know certainly not a studio by by standards of the American size, but they' are you know market cap of several hundred million dollars you know they were a sizable company that had that had resources and um so my lawyer uh knew this guy really, really well, and he sent my script to him, and they read it, and they said, uh yeah, we're interested, let's make it I and mean, it was a super low budget uh film. Uh, under a million dollars and they financed the bulk of it. I I got some tax credits and a little bit of private money but they financed the bulk of it. So that, I think I read that script in, you know, summer 98 and we are shooting it by like February 99 and we are finished by summer of 99 and uh, I've never had it so lucky or easy since. And uh, that really was The easiest, simplest, quickest film I've ever made. So, in in, in a funny way, it was um, not the way to start because after that, I sort of thought that's how movies are made, you know. And I would go around with you know a handful of scripts, and I'd come down to the A.S.M. and I'd come these trips to Los Angeles and take these meetings, and think, okay, great, I'll pitch the script, and you know, someone's going to finance it, and you know, a year from now it'll be finished. And uh, and of course that's not really how it works, and it's never worked that way since my very first film was a real abnormality. Uh, 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 abnormal uh, uh, um, um, what am I struggling with here? Abnormality. And uh-huh. uh and and it hasn't happened that way, uh, that way since unfortunately. But I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it, yeah, I wish yeah, it no so kidding. lucky that way. Um but still, you know, it was it was great. And film was called Motel and uh, uh David Parker was the uh, the writer director of that. Uh, so that was that was great. That was a really fortunate experience and a good way to a good and a bad way for me to start. My um, moving on to my my most recent film, The Black Marks. Uh, as you said at the beginning of the show, that's uh, starring Kurt Russell and Matt Dillon, Jay Birchell, Terrence Stamp, uh, Jason Jones, Christian uh Catherine Winnick. It's a it's a great great cast. It's a super clever, fun script. It's a heist. Con artist movie, heist comedy, sort of in the vein of Ocean's Eleven or Usual Suspects. The writer-director is uh, Jonathan Sobel, and he's, uh, he's it's the second film in a row that we've made together. The film before this one, which he also wrote and directed. And um, we shot it in January and February. And uh we're in the middle of post production right now. In fact tonight we're having our first uh, public test screening of the film.
2: Right, so I'm cool. very,
0: very yeah, very eager to to see the results of that uh, later tonight. And uh, you know, we'll finish it's uh, finish editing in sort of June, July and complete the picture by the fall and uh the Weinstein company is uh is shipping domestically and um Sony has it internationally. So we'll get it to them by the end of this year and they'll they'll put it out next year. But I'm I'm really excited by it. It's a great we have a fantastic cast. Everyone did a great job with it, so I'm really, really eager to see that uh, that comes out.
1: Oh, that's very cool. And again, the website is dariusfilms.com. It's d-a-r-i-u-s films f-i-l-m-s dot com, and uh, and go and check that out. And and, and, Nicholas, and we have.
0: To, uh, so, I say, so I say sorry to We have we have Facebook pages and a Twitter uh, Twitter account for the Black Marks. Uh, so please uh, please like it and follow it.
1: Absolutely. I was just what I was going to say. So that's very cool. Um so how did it change from that first movie to the second movie? In other words, how are more movies being done? The difference between that first one. And I know it's changed even since probably your second film. I mean the the, the days of making movies is is different now.
0: Yeah. The truth is the second one the second one to whatever one the Black Marks, is 12 or whatever it is. That actually has, for me, hasn't changed much at all. I mean, you know, the the, the 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 buyers have changed and the numbers have changed and so forth. But the actual formula uh, has been the same. It really was just that first one that was very unusual. But what what I learned, you know, after um, after hitting my head against the wall after making uh-huh. Motel, what I sort of eventually learned and realized was, you in the independent film sector, I mean. That motel on a tiny, tiny scale really was like studio filmmaking, where you go to one party, they write a check, they finance the whole thing, and th- that is typical studio filmmaking. Uh, but you know, I- I'm an independent filmmaker, so what's been happening ever since that is that you cobble together financing from half a dozen different areas and sort of assemble it all to uh, to get your budget um and that 's much more normal so typically so using black marks as an example you know as i mentioned so the, the weinstein company has has the u s distribution rights uh the company called alliance films uh has canadian distribution rights sony has international rights um there 's um some uh tax credit money canadian tax credit money in it there 's uh there 's a, a subsidy um government support uh, called telefilm in canada which has uh, some money in the film. There is um, well, some private equity in the film. Uh, so it's you know there's probably the half a dozen different financiers that all together. So each one of those uh, gives you a certain piece of the financing in exchange for certain rights and recruitment to the to the film. And then you what you end up doing is you take half a dozen or eight or whatever it may be pieces of paper contracts. And then you say, well, we're putting in a million, we're putting in a million five, we're putting in two hundred thousand, we're putting in this, and you go that, and you go to a bank and you say, okay, here's contracts that add up to whatever the number may be, ten million dollars. They all they are all going to pay me once I deliver and complete the movie, but I can't wait till then to to finance it. I need the money now in order to make the film. So will you loan me the money now? I'll make the movie, deliver it to all these parties, and then they pay me, and I pay you back. And that's called the interim loan or the interim financing. So that's how the movies... Are. That's how I do independent films. That's how most independent films are made. So you have this um, very, very complicated um, uh, interim loan. Right. And, and there's something called an interparty agreement because all of these parties have to agree, okay, we will let this party have these rights, and they all have to agree with each other so they're not infringing on each other's rights and recoupments and obligations. So it's... Um, you know, to get an independent film made, there's a lot of uh, a lot of legalities and contracts and paperwork involved.
1: So, how do you spend your day? <laughs> what, what is as a producer? What is your day usually involved with?
0: Well, you know, that, that is what I love about this job. That is, you know, people ask me, you know, what do you, you love about the job? The, the single biggest thing is, is to put a word to it is a variety. That no day is alike you know that 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 unlike a lot of jobs and i'm not this can be great for some people you kind of know on wednesday what you're going to be doing because it's just exactly what you did last wednesday are we going to do on tuesday what you did on monday and so forth I, i don't have that at all in my job and i really enjoy that so what i did yesterday will be completely different from what i do today will be completely different from what i do tomorrow and then Within so but it's typical to the degree that there is anything that is typical it's that I will deal with three or four different projects at at minimum, and uh you know at any given day, I can have a conversation with a lawyer negotiating a contract in the morning, have lunch with a with a writer talking about a script uh you know in the middle of the day, and then go into the edit room. And sit down and and work on the edit of my last picture in the afternoon, and to me that is really really fulfilling and and uh, and satisfying that I have this varied degrees of you know different parts of my brain that's being put to use and different activities uh, all in the same day, so um, that's really really appealing to me that 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 uh, a it's different projects and b it's with completely different uh, types of people and different types of jobs so that's that's really uh that's really a fun part of the job for me.
1: Well, that's very cool.
0: And and and
1: you know, uh again, I mean what you just said, you could you could have three or four or five or ten different projects going on all at one time. Um and 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 most producers do because we never know what job is gonna go first, typically.
2: Correct, correct, you know,
1: correct. How was, was gonna assemble out. Um I wanted to ask you a question about somebody sent me this by email but they wanted to know about final cut uh director's cut with independent films in a, in a, in a situation uh, such as yours do you give your director depending on the relationship uh last cut or do you as the producer hang on to it and uh, and or how much bargaining is done now to say well we get our cut and then later we'll release a director's cut or whatever
0: yeah it's a good question Contractually, legally, I have final cut. Uh, you know, I own the film. I raise the money, so I, you know, and, and I use the word "own." If if, um, if it wasn't verbal, it sort of be italics because it, you know, that's by a legal definition. But what what that really means, you know, I own the film, but 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 Sony and Weinstein Alliance have far more control of it than I ever will. You know, uh-huh. they're gonna. Re- they're, they're gonna. Anyway, that, that's something else. But my um, to answer your question a bit more directly is, technically, I have final cut. I have been fortunate thus far in in the films that I've made that my relations with the directors have always been strong and remain strong throughout the process. So it's never been a battle. We've never had two cuts. We've never. Neither party has been unhappy, and we've always, up to this point, had a collaborative and shared final cut, which I'm very, very happy about and I and I and I yeah. hope I, I could be so lucky as to um as to uh maintain that. typically my feeling is this when I um feel really, really strongly about something, I will, you know, fight and debate and argue and cajole and do everything I can to get my way and uh and often um I I will, you know, because I I make a sound argument and the director and the editor will see where I'm coming from and will agree. Um, But if a director, you know, basically, we will work towards compromise and collaboration. If it really comes down to we just disagree, and that's something that I just feel so profoundly strong about, I'll defer to the director. I will say, okay, you know, have a year away. So, there have been a few examples of that. You know, on Defender, there's one uh, small piece of the cut where I really felt it should have gone one way. Peter Stebbings, the, the writer, director of the film, really felt it should go the other way. I'll always feel my way is better. You know, I'll always, uh, <laughs> always forever think that, the, that my idea was better. But, it's not going to keep me up at night. It's not going to make a huge difference. it probably makes no difference at all. I'm sure we wouldn't have sold a single more ticket or DVD if we, if it had gone my way. It's just, I'm, I'm probably the only person who'll ever notice it. So I was happy ultimately to say to Peter, okay, you know, I've made my arguments. I've pushed, I've pushed, I've pushed. If you really don't see it. Go for it. You know? Um, so that, that's typically how, how we've done things and, 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 and how I, uh, how, how I hope to continue. It really is the best way because it, it can get into, you know, contractually, especially when you get into the guild, uh, the director's guild, they have uh, a certain period where you're not allowed to to give any influence. You're not supposed to give notes. They have a completely um, untouched, uninfluenced period in which they can cut and do deliver their cut. They do so, and then you're allowed to go in and make changes. I, you know, I think it's really unfortunate when it has to be so rigidly defined and um, uh, and separated and kind of segregated from each other. I've never had that experience, and I really hope I never have to, because that doesn't that to me doesn't sound like fun. That to me sounds like a battle. Um, so so it, that's not the way I want to do things.
1: Well, that's 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 cool that you have the relationships and the trust between you know the people you work with that that. Um, it ends up the way you described. I mean, I, I think that's, that's very, very cool. Um, and, uh, we you know, we should all strive to have those kind of relationships where we yeah. work together with people, you know, because it is a collaborative business. And uh, and what you said about, well, you know, if it had gone my way, would it, we have sold another ticket? I, I think that just really is is a real good mental hook to hang one's hat on and keep that in mind. You know that we could we could be arguing about things that are really inconsequential when it comes down to it, and and to you know be able to preserve uh, what we have and put out a good product and and not lose sleep over something that that was inconsequential. You know the old saying of too many people major in minor things. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's very... We have literally maybe about 10 minutes left, Nicholas, and I've enjoyed this so much, and like I said, I'd love to have you back and talk another time, you know, again in depth as you've done today and talk more about the other films that you have and and stuff. Um, I wanted to ask you, because you brought it up, and we maybe not have time to do it justice, but but in in some of the remaining time, because I always like to give you the last word, too, to to discuss anything you'd like to discuss or share or or what, is... um, is you know you mentioned about Weinstein doing domestic and sony doing uh I forget if you said that they had the international or who had what yeah. how do how do you when you're when nowadays for you as a producer are, are you and you go to the bank with the interim deal and things like that are you securing uh, did you secure your 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 distribution rights up front in terms of the financing is that was that is that what you said um that that Weinstein would be agreed to Distributed in advance or that uh, uh, or that uh, investors were putting up a million or two here or something like that or was or or were they one and the same i guess is the question
0: yeah essentially well you 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 um you pick up on something interesting that um in this particular instance um all the distributions sold up front you you had it you had it correct washington has u s sony has international and alliance has canada um okay. And um, so in in the interest of the black marks, everything has been sold in advance (coughs) in order to get the picture financed. More often than not, both in my own history but also in independent films in general, that there were uh, what's called the gaps, and gaps are unsold territories. So um, often it's the U.S., A, because it's it's a difficult uh, uh, territory to pre-sell, and B, because... It can give you quite a sizable upside, upside if you're able to hold on to it. Um, often you retain rights so that you uh, you you know make the film for a certain budget, and then the your upside and the investor's upside is in selling those remaining territories, open territories after the film is completed. That's more often than not how I've made films. Um, it just so happens that in this instance. For a variety of reasons, sort of the timing and schedule and other things, we ended up um, pre-selling all the rights of this film. Um, And there's there's neither there's good and bad to both. Uh, um, It's just sort of different different ways of doing things. This was slightly more uh, atypical.
1: And and for the listener, I mean, um, the question being that the more typical. Is what you described. This the latter here being black marks being maybe less typical. How about in terms of the work being done? Uh, was it harder to get this deal, or just it just lined up right, or or is it harder to do it the other way where you're hanging out of your rights and then trying to you know to sell it after the fact?
0: There, there, you know, both very very hard. Neither easier or harder. Really, it just sort of turned out that way. Uh, and I guess you know you sort of touched on something there. Um, you know, if you were to ask me the reason, you know, why did you do it this way this time, it's because because we could, you know, and that's the way that lent itself. That, that's the path that opened up for us because you will find that um, you make the film and finance the film however you can because it is really difficult. So on paper, in theory, you know, you can argue, oh, well, this is the way to do it or this is the better way, or, this is the smarter way. That's all very fine and good, but you don't always have that choice. In fact, you rarely have that choice. We're, none of us really, unless you're, um, you know, a billionaire and, and, and self-financing and your own movies. And and by the way, I don't say that facetiously because there are those people that that are so lucky and have that opportunity. But yeah. short of those people, um, we don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to pick. Well, I think what I'll do is. I'll leave the U.S. open on this one, and I'll pre-sell these territories. Or I think in this case what I'll do is I'll sell the U.S. and leave open. No, we don't. We don't have that luxury of choosing. You just try it, get it out to market, talk to different parties, and whichever one steps up with either first or the best deal, or the the you know the the most streamlined way to do it, that's the deal you take.
1: Wow! Wow! for wow, that's so. Uh... Again, such great information, so uh, fabulous of you to share it and to be so candid regarding, you know, how these things work and how it's structured, and what, you know, what uh, you go through, you know, as a producer um, from, you know, start to finish and from day-to-day level. I, I, I do really appreciate it. And we have just a couple of minutes remaining. I, I just want to kind of, again, give that to you. And uh, But first, by telling you how much we've appreciated this. And, and if there's anything you, you'd like to say in closing, then I, I'll give you that opportunity.
0: Well, great. Well, thank you for the opportunity. First of all, in return, thanks so much for inviting me on your show. And I thoroughly enjoyed it myself. And it's uh, it's been it's been a fun uh, fun hour for me. So thank you for that. Uh, and I guess in closing, if I can shamelessly um, plug a couple of movies, if I could take it opportunity to do please, that. Please, please, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> So the two, uh, you know, look at the black marks in 2013, but much sooner than that. I've got a couple films that will be coming out. Um, a Beginner's Guide to Ending, uh, starring Harvey Keitel and Scott Kahn and Station Jones, um, and uh, J.K. Simmons. That is uh, coming out uh, June 1st. Um, I, 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 unfortunately, not, not as many uh, theaters as I would like, is never the case. So if you don't, find it uh, locally at your uh, theater, please look for it on um, VOD and so forth, and, and then there were all the other various ways that you can see movies these days um, in June or shortly thereafter, Beginner's Guide to Endings, and then a little later than that, a little later in the summer, Welcome Back, Satan, which is a really, really fun and outrageous and provocative independent film that I produced, um, and this is sort of, uh, we touched on very briefly, this was uh, the guerrilla-style filmmaking this is a small film, but uh but with a great script and a great cast, and uh that too will be coming out uh uh on v o d and online and streaming uh later in the summer welcome back Satan so uh to all your listeners uh please uh please look out for them
1: oh fantastic and do visit your facebook pages for the black marks. you also have your own personal page there we should let people know if you if you're so inclined but uh but also, Dariusfilms.com, D A R I U S films.com, again is the website. Uh, fascinating time spent with you. I really appreciate it. I would love to have you come back. And, and I know we talked about that, so we'll just say that we'll let the listeners know when that might be. And, You're happy uh, to come back. and thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to call you in just a, a couple of minutes, but for now, we'll say so long, and you have a great rest of the day, and, uh, and more power to you, and best wishes.
0: Thanks very much. Same with you. Same to everybody listening. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks,
1: Nicholas. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. And I want to – oh, and Nicholas, uh, thanks for uh, bringing up the music in the beginning. It's my daughter's uh, get-to-be-proud papa. Uh, I want to thank Nicholas Tavarai for being here today and sharing so much wisdom and information with us about producing um, with the nuts and bolts from start to finish. There's obviously there's so much more that we could talk about, and and hopefully we will in the, in the near days. Um, I have many exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned and please do keep sharing uh, this website, these interviews, my guests with all your friends and your contacts. Do leave comments both now before you go away, whether you're listening archived or to the live show. Don't don't go away without saying something or leaving a comment about my guests and the, and the information that they share with you. and Because uh, that really helps. It helps my guests. It helps me. It helps the show. Um, so that's, I would appreciate it. Thank you again. And uh, same with rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, you can become a member uh, or you can follow Rex Movie beat Friends on Facebook by uh, clicking on the like button there I, I shouldn't say follow but you can join us there is the point because that will have information about films and movies and other people's films and upcoming events and everything else uh, right there on Facebook as well as upcoming interviews and, and things like that so join us on uh, Rex Hike's Movie Beat Friends on Facebook uh, I'm doing a short movie called uh, Serum the movie uh, destined to become a web series and, uh, and so we're doing that and uh, we have a friends page on Facebook for Serum it's S E R U M like truth serum serum the movie uh or serum the short film on Facebook come and friend us there as well and uh, follow me on Twitter Rex movie BT that's Rex movie BT on Twitter and everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies. Complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, and that's tomorrow with Kim Swanson, and then right after her on Friday, uh, the next interview is, is uh, Peter Marshall. Let me take this moment now and just say, go and listen to the archives. You can go to iTunes and go through over 300 shows, date by date, name by name. You can go to my website and scroll through the archives. Um, I, I mention the dates now just because of the live listeners. I used to never do that because it didn't matter when you were listening archived what the date of the show was. But uh, but so go you know join us for future shows that are coming up. But go back and listen to the the incredible material from all of my guests. And uh, you can pick and mix and match and, or go through one after the other. I, I promise you, it's an, it's, it's, you can't even begin to calculate the price of all these people sharing their information to you absolutely free. So, uh, again, have an incredible day. Make your projects. Complete your projects. And until we meet again, that's a wrap.